Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Easily in the top 25. Oh, yeah? <laughs> He's great. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome NFL strategy show. Glad to have everyone with us as always taking a first look at week three after an absolute bloodbath on the injury front in week two. Hopefully you navigated around those landmines and came up with a good week. Many of us did. Many of us didn't. And to a large extent, there's nothing you could do about it. I'm Dave Lochran. With me, as always, as they are every Tuesday, Ben Rasa. Follow the man on Twitter at JazzRazDFS, single Z, no, double Z, single Z, DFS, and Sal Vetri at Sal Vetri DFS. Follow me at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. And smash that thumbs up button as you jump in the door. Subscribe and hit the notification bell as well if you haven't done so yet. So you always know when new content's dropping next. Sal, Ben. What a wild week it was. I guess I'll kick it off with you here, Ben. Sunday, bloody Sunday. Week two is unlike, truly unlike anything I've ever seen on the injury front, especially as it refers to marquee players dropping like flies. It was, and it felt like it happened in like a a small window within the one o'clock. Like Saquon got hurt on consecutive plays. Bosa went down, Paris Campbell, Perryman, like, it, it was just one after the other. Uh, you mentioned it. It's really one of the few weeks I honestly, you know, I review my own lineups. Certainly a, as we turn the page from week to week, I had almost no lineups that survived uh, the injury bug. And I, I'm not alone. This is not to say that I got unlucky. It was like that out there. Uh, I've never seen anything really like that before. No, Sal, check this out. Right. And I, I just wrote them down. I'll go over these quick. These are the guys that are on the IR after two weeks. Barkley, and some of them long-term IR, some of them short-time IR. But still, Barkley, Sutton, both done for the year. Le'Veon Bell, Debo Samuel, they should come back. Marlon Mack, done for the year. Guys that are out for several weeks. McCaffrey, four to six. Drew Locke, two to six. Philip Lindsay, two to four. Tevin Coleman, Paris Campbell, doubtful to play. Raheem Mostert, Brashad Perriman, questionable. Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Tarad Taylor, Jimmy Garoppolo, Cam Akers, James White, Sterling Shepard, Jameson Crowder, Jack Doyle, and probable hopefully returning to the fold in week three. I need these guys. I have so much of George Kittle and Kenny Galladay across my fantasy teams. It's been a disaster. I swear, I I won several fantasy titles in Dynasty last year. 
the the one team where I came in second place because my dumbass benched or forgot to start Derrick Henry because long story. But I have uh, five guys of my top players that are out. So I, you can't get, you can't escape this right now, Sal. It's been really really crazy from a DFS and season long standpoint. Yeah, I, I somehow escaped in season long in like the main leagues that I keep an eye on. But in in DFS, my highest on player was Paris Campbell at 61%. So I'm sitting there on Sunday and I watch, he had like the seven yard end around or whatever. And I like watch it and they're showing the replay. And like, for some reason, my mind always gravitates towards that guy just got hurt. And they're just showing the replay like three times. So I had no sound. I'm at a bar and I'm like, all right, cool. Good start for him. And like, I check back a quarter later, he's done for the game, might be done for the year. And I'm like, this is just the best start to this DFS slate right now. 61% Paris Campbell down the drain. It's, it was brutal. Uh, I had a couple lineups, Ben, that were looking really, really good. You know, uh, just phenomenal spots left and right. Huge games from Janu Smith and yeah, Janu Smith. Uh, yeah, Janu Smith was was huge, and, and Calvin Ridley in the same lineup with Mike Evans and Dak Prescott. And, and you know, look, not saying I would have won tournaments. I didn't have the Josh Allen Diggs combo or whatever. But then I'd look and I'd see at least one player in every one of those lineups with a one or a zero or a four from an injury or just an overall terrible performance from chalk. Cause that happened too with Derrick Henry and, and Devonte Adams who ended up getting injured ultimately, but wasn't playing great either. Julio Jones apparently played through a hamstring injury. He finished with four fantasy points. You, if you got through this and, and won some good money, then more power to you. Cause that was, that was an absolute minefield. Yeah, Herndon, he looked hurt. He should have been. I don't know what he was doing. There was just, it was one of those weeks, you know, when you have a rash of injuries, you know, you have to kind of navigate things you're not in control with and you hope that the lineups, you obviously want, like, first thing I did, I was hoping all my injured guys were on the same team, like just human sacrifice, a couple teams, and then you have the rest going. That just wasn't the case. But you know what? We move on. It's going to make for a lot of moving parts, though, in week three with all the, it's not even just value. It's just new faces, new schemes, uh, the domino effect that is the NFL. Robert says I had a hundred percent Adams and Henry. You, That'll do it. Chris <laughs> says Campbell probably cost me a lot, uh, at least a few grand this weekend. Yeah. The bills yeah. talk about 50% Henry and Adams to shake in my head. Wow. Yeah. Th this is the story of the day for sure. But um, we're here to bounce back. Brian Walter says, need a good week three after what happened in week two. Yes, you're damn right. And that's what we're here to do. Sal, Ben, and myself breaking it all down, taking a look at another big slate, another 13-gamer. Uh, in week four, we'll see it start to, to thin out a little bit, maybe some 11, 12-game slates because bye weeks start. But, uh, Sal, I say we just jump into it, go position by position here. It's obviously a first look. It's not going to be as in-depth as we get throughout the rest of the week. Um, but from an injury standpoint, there's a lot to take a look at. Uh, more so than that, who will the replacements be? Where are we finding the best matchups? And we'll kick it off with quarterback where at the top, you've got Russell Wilson against Dallas, a Cowboys defense that has been absolutely decimated through the first two weeks, allowing, um, allowing 380 and 422 total yards of offense in weeks two and one, respectively. Uh, and then if you come a little bit further down the list, really just right down it, you've got Dak in the same matchup. Seattle coughed up 464 yards of offense 
to Cam Newton and the Patriots on Sunday night. Josh Allen's had his first two 300-yard games consecutively to start off the season, and Kyler Murray's looked like an absolute stud, while Cam Newton, I'm literally just going right down the list out. I'm not even skipping anyone. And Cam Newton had 444 total yards of offense with a monster game and an opportunity to win that. That's just the top five quarterbacks at 6,700 and above on DraftKings. Yeah, I usually try and live in like the, the mid to low six K range. And at least like from a cash perspective, a lot of stacks will go there. But I think I'm going to be leaning towards this upper range. I mean, right away, Russell Wilson and Dak are going to be at least early on, like two of my favorite, probably three or four quarterbacks on the slate. They play each other. Both of those defenses, whether it's Dallas or Seattle, are both in the bottom right now, seven in the league in yards per attempt allowed to the opposing quarterback. And both Dak and Russ right now are both in like the top five in yards per allowed on offense. And they're just they're just slinging the ball. So to start with Russ. Last week, like week one, he, he balls out the whole let Russ cook thing. And then week two, he plays fantastic five touchdowns, but it's just kind of old Russ again. Like he has 28 pass attempts. So it'll be interesting to see like what happens if they're going to, in this type of a game with like a 55 point total, they have a 30 implied team total. I assume you're going to start to see closer to 35 pass attempts. Um, but yeah, it, it's looking good over 300 yards per game right now for us. And it, it's not only that he's cheap, I think on this late, even in the seven K range, same thing for Dak. It's that when we get to their weapons, they're just all underpriced. So it's so easy to get to them and you don't feel like, it's not like there's a Julio at 8,000 or an Adams or something like that. It's so easy to build stacks. So those two guys up there, normally I, I kind of shy away from the top price quarterbacks and see what I can build after that. But I'm gravitating towards those two to start the week. I can't wait to see what ownership looks like based off of everything Sal just said, Ben. Like you don't have Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Derek mm-hmm. Henry is still 7,800. Hopefully people, you know, avoid him after last week. I will happily go back to someone who's seen 56 times. 56 carries and 61 total looks over his first uh, two games, but sticking at the quarterback position. Yeah. There are going to be a lot of easy teams to stack. And I like to live in that mid range too. I'm even willing to go down below six K often, but it it's going to be tough for me to get away from some of these spots up top because while they're expensive, they're not crazy overpriced and they are in games that could see 70 points and you wouldn't bat an eye. Yeah, I mean, this is just to kind of expand upon this. We don't have the Ravens and the Chiefs. We don't have the Saints and the Packers. And McCaffrey is hurt. So in the entire slate, the most expensive guy is 8,300. There's only one guy north of 8,000. That's unheard of for a, for a main slate with this many games. So it really does become, it's not just play whoever you want, but there are elements of that. And that's going to draw you to the Seattle-Dallas game who... They both already played Atlanta and it's just, it feels like these teams have all been playing each other already, but obviously that's a big game to go to. We've talked about, we were talking before the show, like about ranking QBs. And I was saying, you know, like Kyler, Josh Allen, these guys are, are breaking the tiers right off the bat. Maybe we have to start viewing them in a different bucket of quarterback right now, because they are just on fire to start the season and they're going to be really popular again this week. I think you're right. And later in the show, Sal, we're going to get into some, some skilled players, wide receiver, running back, tight ends. But I do think if there was ever a week to look to some good players that are overpriced a little bit, this could be the week. Just like as an example, and and I haven't dug too much into it yet, but someone like Stefan Diggs is $7,000. My guess is he will be largely overlooked, despite the fact that he's been very productive in his first two games, because who would you rather play? Ridley and Julio or Stefan Diggs. Most people are going to go with guys like Julio. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is sub 8K. So maybe this is one of those weeks where 
paying up to be contrarian, as Alex Baker would say, could really, really go a long way for you, knowing that most people are going to say, oh, okay, all of these top-tier receivers and running backs and tight ends are too cheap. They're the elite of the elite, the creme de la creme. So why would I bother with Diggs? Why would I bother with someone else that's maybe $600 overpriced, even though they could have a monster blow-up game? Yeah, and I think like you were talking earlier about Derrick Henry, I think that's going to be the same thing. Anybody who, even if they played well last week and now they're priced up, or if they just played awful last week, if Julio's back and healthy, um, if you're going to have Derrick Henry out there again, which it seems like, like those types of players, they're going to naturally draw less ownership because their price points are similar. Other guys are undervalued. And yeah, it's easier to fit them now into lineups, whether you're hand building or using an optimizer. And all these top end quarterbacks, like they look fantastic. Like Cam Newton looks like I mean, MVP cam right now, he's 8.8 yards per attempt. He has 23 rush attempts. And like out of all the quarterbacks who have rushing yards right now um, and attempts like Kyler Murray, like 90% of his are on scrambles. Tw- only three of the 23 of cams are on scrambles. They're all just design runs. And like, you're seeing that by the goal line, but all over the field right now, he's cheaper than Josh Allen. He's cheaper than Kyler Murray. I even like him more than those two guys right now. And I like those guys. So yeah, it's, it's going to be probably, I'll see what happens with stacks once we get to those players and later in the week. But just looking at these top end QBs, even their matchups look fantastic against Vegas right now. Even after Breeze yesterday, they're still bottom third of the league in yards allowed per play. So, yeah, it's it's looking really good up top right now, quarterback. What about the mid range, Ben, where you've got like, let's we'll do 65 and lower, maybe go down to the 5900 mark, even 56 or so. There's not a ton I'm, I'm enamored with here. Roethlisberger has has played well enough to to get a look at a price point like that. You know, he's attempted 73 passes over his last few games. He's dropping back a ton. Um, he's thrown five touchdowns to only one interceptions. It does, in fact, feel like I won't say he's completely back, but given what we saw to begin last season that destroyed me in so many spots when they concealed that injury, if you remember that, they hid the injury from us and then told us two weeks later. Uh, and he was just terrible. He looks he looks like the old Roethlisberger, or at least enough like that. But outside of him, you've got Stafford at 63, Burrow against Philly. Sal said he's been, he might have said this before the show started. He's been, he's been from a volume standpoint producing, but from an efficiency standpoint, th- there's a lot to be desired. 5.3. Uh, yards per attempt is a little bit concerning there. But besides that, what about somebody like Ryan Tannehill against this Minnesota team that is basically getting gutted in all facets of their defense? They lost more defensive players this week. And oddly, Ryan Tannehill uh, has has been someone that's that's actually getting throws into the end zone and, for, and they're foregoing Derrick Henry in some spots. Four touchdown passes for Ryan Tannehill this week, two last week. Any mid-range guys that you like? Not really. It's really interesting just, and I know we're only a couple weeks in, so I don't want to be too, you know, radical that everything is changing, but I do see more and more elements of college DFS coming in where it used to just be like, oh, well, there's Lamar and he's different. But now there's multiple quarterbacks on every slate where you know they're going to run in some capacity. And these guys that are these old school just drop back and sling it, sometimes they're six 10 points behind these guys just off the bat that's two or three touchdowns it's really hard to make that up when you have it's not just Lamar anymore there's so many of them so I'm starting to really shift how I build uh and incorporating at least some mobility like Burrow I think qualifies but some of these guys that are flat zero in rushing it's really hard to get to them given how many other guys can do it now (sighs) things are changing 
things are changing. I'm just, when you look at these people, you know, like I said, it's not just, oh, Cam, he, he, you know, he's knocking a couple in, forget it then. But even if you have 30, 40 yards on the ground, that that's an extra touchdown. Like that is hard to make up week after week. Uh, so I want some mobility. I will throw out, <laughs> I know Lafayette, you have them out of the NFL, but I think that Carson Wentz is going to be all right. 5,800, this is a get-right spot. They have to win this game. There is no hope for this season if you lose at home to the Bengals. I think he's going to be just fine. I think the Eagles look good this week. If I had to pay down, it would be for him. I think he would look awesome in, like, the XFL, for sure. Smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I don't know, Sal. Canadian Football League calling his name. Boot He'd be the biggest star. Board. He'd be the biggest star for the Rock in the XFL. <laughs> he really would. And the Eskimos. Or wait, no, they're not allowed to have that name anymore, right? Yeah, they didn't have it no, the past year. The Eskimos? Who were they? The, they, they apparently, apparently Eskimos is offensive, so I think they got rid of the Eskimos name. The Edmonton Eskimos, I believe? I don't know. He'd play for Edmonton. He'd crush it. But, Sal, do you like any mid-range guys in that 64 down to $5,800 range? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just echo on Wentz. Everything has looked bad, but you're getting a really good spot. There's been no pass rush at all right now from Cincinnati, so that'll help out a little bit, or at least it should. There's a spot to get on the Eagles, especially if nobody wants to. But other than that, there's not a lot in that mid-range. It's, it's a lot of guys who look the same, pretty much like Ben was saying, with, with Brady, with Rivers, with Stafford to an extent. I'll go to some big Ben probably this week just because he's easier to stack up. Uh, Deontay Johnson's still relatively affordable. So is Juju at that point. And you're just seeing Big Ben, like they're just lining up in shotgun and chucking the ball at this point. Like, yeah, James Conner had an efficient game last week, but they're not using play action passing. They're not going under center all that much. It's probably because mobility or whatever for Big Ben, but he's just lining up. He's thrown 36 and a half times per game through two games. Everything looks above average and now a good matchup versus Houston and just options for stacking all across the board on their offense. So $6,400 Ben, and then all the way at the bottom of that range you're talking about with Wentz is probably the two spots I would look to the most, at least early on. Wentz has to correct the turnover problems, man. The decision, by the way, they're the Edmonton football team now. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) That's amazing. Which game first? As a joke, I swear to God, just like, oh, another football team. I swear to God. Google Edmonton Eskimos. They're the Edmonton football team. That's that's actually pretty crazy. If if that's been like that for like years, that's pretty crazy. If that's like the the model that uh, Washington looked after. No, dude, they got rid of Edmonton Eskimos as the Redskins stuff was happening. They did? Okay, I they think probably so. talked yeah, to some I'm pretty meetings. certain it was, you know, one of those snowball effects. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I get, by the way, I totally understand where you guys are at on wins. I'm, I'm bitter about it. I joke just for anybody viewing, but I'm not ever going to let that affect the way that I'm making lineups or analyzing games. So no, I I think I don't think he belongs in the XFL. Do I think he belongs on the Eagles bench? Well, <laughs> I mean maybe, but no. This is. Would you agree though? That, and and I'm serious. I watched every second of these games. I try and watch as much as I can of every single game. Would you agree that if Carson Wentz struggles against this Cincinnati Bengals team, we have some serious issues? Yes. Okay. But- I don't think that's go. I, I see a, a distinct difference in, in this spot. And I think you're right. Like, yeah. I think you're going to end up being right about this. They're not yeah, a very I, I good football say. team. They made Baker Mayfield look that's very good. Saying. Yeah. Yeah. You want to say something, I, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would just say that there's been like week one, you could have blamed it on offensive line, not having all your skill position players, at least with Sanders. And then it, it looks better, but you're playing a tougher opponent. Now is when everything kind of clicks where you have your skill position players. Sanders looked absolutely incredible last week, and now it's a really good matchup. So he's looked really bad ones everywhere, but everything lines up for this week. So like you're saying, if he falls on his face, then yeah, now you have to start actually looking at this and saying, okay, what's going on here? Save for that early fumble, Miles Sanders did look very good. Uh, and don't forget either, they were playing from behind, and 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 he still was was able to rack up some yardage. He's a good pass catcher. Uh, I'm with you on that. Th- they do have the weapons. I've said it. They're going to be a very volatile offense. Like I think they will have games where they connect on a lot of deep balls. But um, how about some value quarterbacks? Do you guys have any interest here? I've looked through them, Sal, and I, I got to say – Usually I have a lot more interest. I didn't come up with a whole lot. Trubisky's facing Atlanta. Uh, Baker's got the the football team, the Washington football team. Jeff Driscoll's got Tampa Bay, but he's not cheap enough for me. I need to be like forty five hundred. Uh, is there any is there any value you like here? Because it feels like a week where we're we're unusual going to be. A- with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Have a, spend an unusual amount of time at the top of the position. Yeah, I mean, all these team totals for these teams are like 18 or 19. I mean, the one that stands out, if Justin Herbert gets the start, I know they said they're not going to go back to him, but if Herbert gets the start, he's at 5,900. He's not like the cheapest of plays, but he'd be somebody that I would go to in a pretty decent matchup. There's so many weapons for them to kind of stack up there. And then if I had to pick one, probably Trubisky, but yeah, these guys aren't below 5,500. There's just nothing there. Like Trubisky at least has a nice team total and Landers really struggling through the air, which seems like five straight years now, their secondary being an issue. Um, but also Trubisky's having his own issues right now. So those would be the only, only other two options in the 5K range that I would have like any strong interest in all the way at the bottom, like Teddy Bridgewater's there, um, but he hasn't really shown too much at this point. They have a team total of like 18 right now. Yeah, that team total is a little bit concerning and I don't expect it. I do wonder though, Ben, how much Teddy Bridgewater is going to have or is going to be forced to throw here. Like what are, and what are their options? Sal, you could weigh in on this too. We can we can actually use this to transition over to the running back position. But Mike Davis saw what eight targets in that game and only one carry. Granted, they were playing from behind, understandable. But uh, is Bridgewater going to be is is Bridgewater going to be forced into a situation where he has to throw? And he's only attempted six deep balls this season. He's completed th- uh, three of six. As a matter of fact, Teddy Bridgewater's eighth in deep ball yardage thanks to Robbie Anderson. So he's He's done some good things. It's just not a particularly favorable spot for him here against, excuse me, a Chargers defense that uh, very much limited Joe Burrow in his first start. And then 
you got, got to credit what they did to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, listen, the Chargers defense, even without Derwin James every year, still has a lot of pieces that can cause problems. I, the Yeah, I, I'm really not. I think you'll see volume from Bridgewater, but I, I really don't think it'll be efficient. And honestly, I like the Chargers defense this week, so uh, I'm not going to be going there. And I'm not looking to pay down a quarterback. There's minimal advantage. A lot of times we talk about, you know, you go to Darnold here and then it unlocks McCaffrey and Adams and Michael Thomas and like the same lineup in a weird combo. You don't need it. Well, don't. Yeah. If you unlock McCaffrey this week, that's not going to be the answer, obviously. (laughs) So I really don't think going this low is the move. It's not. Maybe, maybe there are some contrarian discussions that we can have about this, but let's move the running back and I'll stick with you for a second here, here, Ben. Uh, and then Sal, I'll make sure we get back to this Carolina run game situation. So Ezekiel Elliott up top against Seattle. It, it's hard to gauge Seattle's run defense through the first couple of weeks. You know, the Patriots run game is brutal. They had 20 yards on 14 carries, not including Cam Newton, right? Just brutal. Uh, but, and he had what, 40 some rushing yards They've allowed 67 and 72 total rushing yards over the first two games, and only 20 of them to New England were against running backs. So they have done a pretty good job of stymieing opposing backs. Their pass defense, their coverage, on the other hand, has been absolutely decimated. Do you know they've given up 841 passing yards over the first two games? That's that's absurd, Ben. Yeah, that's a lot of yards. Certainly not the uh, Legion of Boom, but it's tough because then you look at Zeke and he's one of those players that is matchup proof in the sense they can get him the ball in so many different ways. He racks up a lot of receptions, easy, easy targets, uh, finds the end zone. They're willing to give him, you know, attempt after attempt on the goal line. But we also see that Dak and these weapons on the outside, you know, CD lamb is another mouth to feed. They got a lot of guys there. So can you pay for Zeke? I have no problem with it. I'd prefer Henry for $500 less. I'm not deterred by, Last week, that was bad, but as you talked about, Lafayette, the volume is there and the volume is going to be there for him. So with Minnesota looking dismal, I'll go right back to him and feel pretty comfortable. Okay. How about you at the top here, Sal? Yeah, I, I think I like Zeke a good amount, especially it's just it's easier to get to him, but everywhere, like red zone is still clicking for him, leading the league there in red zone touches. Just overall attempts, he's top two. He's second in targets. Like his routes runner career high after two games. Obviously they're in a game. 64 routes, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot. And like week one, he had 28. Like he ran more last week because they were just running a ton of plays on offense and playing from behind. But he's involved in every single aspect right now. And they want him to be. And I thought that Blake Darwin being out and done would help Zeke a little bit more. It might have. It just seemed like Schultz kind of filled right in for that. But 143 yards after contact, second most, like he is clicking on all cylinders. It's not like he's behind a good line, which is not that great anymore, or he's behind a great offense. And that's what's kind of just allowing him to get these opportunities. He's also making them on his own. So the price point only goes up $100. You touched on Seattle. Like, yeah, they were ahead a lot. And Atlanta wasn't going to run when they're down by three, four scores with Gurley. And Gurley looked decent in week one, but he's not going to be anything that you think is really going to break it off like Zeke possibly can. And then last week, they got a pretty soft matchup. So, yeah, like PFF has him as like a top overall run defense. I think it's fine based on like the analysis going into it. But I think it's pretty soft. Like, I think they're at best like a middle of the pack run defense, maybe like top 12. But that's not going to shy away. I like Zeke a good amount. So do I. Look, I would like him less, Sal. If I didn't think that this, if, if, 
if I didn't know that he could get involved in the passing game, because I do think there is, I do think there is a scenario that plays out here where this is just 45 attempts from each quarterback just chucking the ball. If one team goes up early, which is very possible, the other team uh, is playing catch up. Like both teams have allowed an insane amount of yards through the air. I agree that Seattle's run defense, they, they haven't looked that bad because they've been exposed so bad through the air. So teams have just passed and they've been high scoring games both times. Uh, if Elliot was, was like Derek Henry here, where it was just carries and really wasn't getting much work in the, in the, in the passing game, hadn't run 32 or averaged 32 routes a game. I would be a little bit more concerned about him. Uh, and, and maybe that's wrong, but uh, knowing that, knowing that he can be involved everywhere and he's just always going to be on the field. I think Ezekiel Elliott is probably a, li a little bit more uh, game script proof than, than we'd like to give him credit for. Uh, and the amount of snaps that, that he's been on the field for over his first two games are 93 and 88% playing from behind playing with the lead doesn't matter to him. So uh, what about a little bit further down, Sal? We already talked about Henry. I, I am so out on this Minnesota defense. I think it's going to be a really, really rough road for them, especially if Kirk Cousins continues to play as poorly as he has. Uh, Dalvin Cook, Josh Jacobs, who looked fantastic late in yesterday's game, tough spot against the New England uh, team. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's let, – let's actually start with Jacobs and Henry. New England had a bunch of guys opt out. It was supposed to be their secondary that was their strong suit this season. Well, their secondary got carved up against a great passer in Russell Wilson, and the run defense hasn't been tested yet at all. Is this a sneaky spot for Jacobs, and what are you doing with Henry? Yeah, so for Jacobs, I mean, you're getting a ton of volume, but they were ahead last night too, so that's what really helped him, especially down the stretch, like on that last drive, get a couple extra carries and really open it up. Uh, but you saw early on, like when a good run defense was stopping him, it was going to be an issue. Jalen Richard came on the field more in third down yesterday than he did in week one. So that was a little bit of a concern that we didn't get to see in week one because they were up on Carolina for most of it. So although Jacobs is looking like he has the Derrick Henry workload right now, they're six-point underdogs in this one. They only have a 20 implied team total, at least at open right now. So I'm always a little bit more hesitant. You are still getting a favorable price point since he did play last night. I think it would probably be a couple hundred dollars more after the amount of usage he got last night. So I have interest in Jacobs right now, but it's definitely like secondary interest. And for me right now with Derrick Henry, I'm going to be interested. I mean, they have a 25-team implied total. He's a favorite by almost three points at this point. And even in games where he's not playing well, he's seeing like, it just seems like he's locked for 20 touches in these game environments if they're not down big. And I really can't see how a Minnesota defense that is bottom three against the run right now, bottom five in, in uh, their secondary, how they're going to get up pretty big on a Tennessee team that's just been efficient. And their defense looks pretty sound like last year yet again. So I'd have more interest in Henry there, but I think that I'm going to be running right back to Jonathan Taylor, a 27 implied team total. He's not expensive enough in my opinion. Jets look okay, like average right now against the run through two weeks, and they're 10-point favorites. Last week, they just got up by like three points, and they ran the ball 20 times in the first half with him, 12 times in the first quarter. Now they're 10.5-point favorites. It's going to be really tough to get away from him, and his passing game role still seems, at least last week it came down a little bit, but he still saw the two targets and two catches when Hines saw absolutely nothing. Ben, the Vikings have allowed 309 yards on the ground, 150-plus rushing yards in back-to-back -back games, 4.3 yards per attempt. Uh, it's it's not the worst efficiency there, but they've also been gassed through the air when net when needed. Uh, is Derrick Henry a spot you're willing to go back to this week? And if not, are there any other top tier guys you really like? 
Yeah, I have no problem with, with Henry. Sal mentioned there's just no game script. Even in negative game scripts, he's going to have his opportunities, maybe not late, but he'll have his chances. So uh, with Zeke there and, and coming off a bad game, it's actually a better spot than I think if he would have succeeded against Jacksonville, honestly, because I'm not really worried about what he did last week. The tricky part is that next range that you guys talked about. Jacobs is tough. I do think obviously could be trailing and that's not the best for him. He is getting more, you know, another three targets and three receptions last week, which it's better than what we saw last year. I still am not thinking that he's going to be live though for massive passing volume if they're trailing and then working down a little more. I don't know what's going on with the chargers. I, I know they held in that game, but Eckler once again was not, is not the Austin Eckler of last year. And it starting to look like he's not going to be in this offense. Well, I actually just tweeted about this before the show started. Yeah, through Kelly's. two weeks. What'd you say? Yeah, uh, go ahead. I assume you're talking about the other guy. Yeah, Kelly. Through, through two weeks, Eckler and Kelly both have 35 carries. Eckler has five targets. Kelly has three. Kelly outtouched Eckler 25 to 20 on Sunday and played only four fewer snaps. It's a full-out timeshare, fellas. I don't see how it isn't. And... I'll be honest, this was one reason I stayed away from Eckler in season-long leagues at his ADP. Because if you can get a good, if you can get a back that's capable of actually shouldering a decent workload on the ground, you're gonna, you're you're not gonna give Eckler that many. But here's the here's the thing, Sal. I kind of I I'm I'm to some extent wrong about that because they carry the ball a ton. Last game, this wasn't just Kelly who had 23 carries, but Austin Eckler also had 16. So 40, 40, what, 43 combined carries? Or sorry, what was it? What did I say? 23 plus 16, 39 combined carries between the two is is a lot. But you come into a game against Carolina, and it's probably going to be a timeshare again. But they're also probably going to stifle Carolina's offense and have another pretty favorable game script. So what are we doing with the backfield for the Chargers? Yeah, it's I mean, right now I have interest in both because of the matchup. And there's a lot to unpack with Eckler because like a lot of people, there's there's two sides to it. You could think like coming into the year, he's going to see a whole workload or that somebody, Justin Jackson, if he was healthy right away or now the rookie Kelly is going to see that Melvin Gordon role. And that's what it seems like. But Melvin Gordon was getting a lot more carries last year. So you can look at this as like a positive from last year to this year. If you like didn't have any expectations and Eckler's getting more work, but the way that DraftKings has it priced, well, yeah, he's obviously like not going to hit those expectations more times than not, but there's a lot of things over the off season. Like he had a, I forgot who's he went on some fantasy podcast and pretty much said like, yeah, my contract reflects my role on this team. I'm going to have the same role. And then he got in like a, he was commenting on Instagram, I think with like the fantasy football counselor, whatever you want to say, but he pretty much said like, you don't draft me for volume. You're drafting me because of my efficiency. And like, there's all these weird things in camp. They said he wasn't going to get the red zone work and he wasn't on the field for it. So that's when I started to rear away from it. And yeah, he's, he's priced as if he's getting some of those things. So that's where the hesitation comes in. I'm going to have interest because I assume that he's going to be unowned and he's still getting volume 20 touches so far per game through two games. They're touchdown favorites in this one. Like Kelly's still there and I'll have interest in him as well. Uh, but if the ownership's just going to be not there on Eckler and I could see him for 16 to 18 touches, he's still a really good player. Um, so yeah, I, if, if there's no ownership, I'll be there. The price tag is expensive, but when there's a lot of money to spend this week and not a lot of guys pay up for, I think I'll get there more times than not. Do you think we should be considering whether or not Herbert or Terod Taylor is going to be under center? 
Yeah, I would like it a lot more if it's Herbert. Um, Me it, too. It, it's only like a one-week sample of each, but you have a kind of a history now of Tyrod Taylor when he was with Buffalo and McCoy, and McCoy had issues and was saying some things about how he wasn't getting the ball in the passing game. There's enough there for me to at least make the assumption that Herbert looks like a better option from him, even from just one week of him. Seven running back targets uh, in week two. In week one, there were one. So mm-hmm. there was one. So, yeah. What about Miles Sanders, Ben? You've uh, seen him return pretty solid game, 6,400. I, I honestly thought, given the circumstances, he looked amazing. Uh, maybe amazing is the, the wrong term, but he looked very good and he looked pretty efficient. He found the end zone. He was used at the goal line. Uh, and, and like I said, man, I, it drove me nuts, this notion that Doug Peterson won't use a bell cow back. Like He's never had one. He's literally never had one. He's gone from Ryan Matthews to Wendell Smallwood to Darren Sproles to LeGarrette Blunt at the twilight of his career. Of course he's going to use a bell cow back. If you have Miles Sanders and he's as good as he is, Boston Scott saw four attempts on the day. So I have, and and Miles Sanders saw 20 carries. I have no concerns about in a positive game script. This wasn't even a positive game script and Miles Sanders saw 20. Yeah, the only thing I, I I certainly didn't get to much last week. And that was just because I was wondering what his role would be right out of injury. And clearly volume is not an issue. Now you add that to a matchup where they're sizable favorites at home against a team that just gave up 200 yards, over six yards per carry to the Browns. Miles Sanders is a great play, 6,400, like him in all formats. E- easy plug and play for me. Yeah, Sal, look, 77% of snaps to 18 for Sanders and Scott. There, can we – I know it's only one game, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe it'll – next week something will happen. But it's – I think very soon we're going to be putting this debate to bed and, and never looking back on it. Yeah, I think so too. Like um, he's the superior talent and, and Scott's fine. Like that's not a knock against him, but he's the only thing back. is going to be, yeah, exactly. Like the only thing would be if fumbling became an issue. It was an issue in college. It was an issue early last year. We saw the fumble last week, but yeah, then he saw 27 opportunities, seven targets in a game where they're losing the entire game against a pretty sound defensive line and defense all together. So yeah, like when I opened up the pricing today, I, I put a tweet out about it too. Like this just looks like the obvious play. Like if you play cash, I don't know how you don't like Miles Sanders is like just pretty much a plug and play to start your lineup. Especially after what Nick Chubb did to them last week. Yep. They're two different running backs. Chubb at times can be used as a battering ram and Sanders isn't that way, but there were so many holes in that defense. So uh, what, what about some, some other mid range guys? We'll work it a little bit further down. Sal. we're not going to hit on everyone for today. We do the NFL strategy show throughout the entire week. So we'll get to everyone throughout the week and leave you guys in good hands once Sunday 1 p.m. hits. But uh, what else are you looking at here at the position? Yeah, there's this kind of a void in like this 6K range after that for the most part. Like there's some guys who you can maybe go to had good games last week, like a, like a James Conner. Nick Chubb at 6,900 is probably the guy I would get to the most in that Chubb's range. Cheap. Yeah, in the 6K range, especially like we keep talking about how like your $6,900 running backs this week are going to appear like they're like $6,000 flat because there's just so much extra salary. You're not paying up for studs. So Chubb's a touchdown favorite, 25 and a half team total. All those things check out. It could be a decent bounce back spot for Chris Carson at 6,600. He appears like he's too expensive, but again, I think it's fine for a touchdown favorite, huge total of 30 points. You just assume, and just over just the long run, like historical data, running backs in those spots will usually find the end zone. Um, So Carson still running routes as well, or at least a decent amount that you like to see. So those guys stand out. One guy that probably nobody's going to want to play and I'll track it. It's not going to look good like from trying to play like team totals and favorites and underdogs, but 
I'm still interested in Mixon to an extent. Um, don't really like the overall what you've seen the first two weeks, of course, not finding the end zone, but still 35 attempts. That's fifth most in the league with his targets. He has 20 opportunities per game in the first two games. This offensive line is brutal. It's terrible. Um, but he's $5,900 now, and I assume there's going to be no ownership. That's the main way that I would get to him. And the Eagles were uncharacteristically beat up pretty bad in the run game last week. Not something you're, you're used to seeing. Ben, what about you? I don't love the range as a whole, so I'll kind of hit on it. These are plays... Mostly, I think, if you want to leverage against Sanders or you're just looking for ownership because not a lot of these guys stand out. They either have bad matchups, bad team totals, or they're just not secure in their role. Um, so, you know, I think I think for me, it's pretty dead until we get to the next range, which is going to have the guys picking up from injury, whether it's whoever Mike Davis is and whoever the Niners roll out there to run the ball. Obviously, that's a situation we have to monitor. I do like Nick Chubb, though. I expect the volume to still be there. Washington's run defense is going to be pretty decent, but I think that the game script here plays favorably. Kenyon Drake saw 20 attempts last game. Didn't really do a whole lot with him. He disappointed a lot of people, but uh, yeah, Nick Chubb and, and, and this offensive line is better than it was last year. That's the one spot that that, that I'm all right getting to. Aside from that, yeah, I, there's not a ton here. Like I'm not paying 6,100 for Kareem Hunt. That's just not happening. He, he was super efficient against Cincinnati, but only 10 attempts. I do agree with Sal that 5,900 for Mixon is at least worth looking at. Uh, if his ownership is going to be low, sub 6K, there's no reason he should be less expensive than Leonard Fournette and Kareem Hunt. There just isn't. Uh, and the same price as Melvin Gordon. In the 5K range, Ben, I'll stick with you here. We've got not a ton of guys above $5,000, but to name a few David Johnson, tough spot against Pittsburgh. Uh, David Montgomery, I'll take a victory lap on that say one. your boy, yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, it was a good spot. Everyone just hates the guy. And he broke his neck and missed a quarter. And <laughs> broke his neck. Yeah, and then he came back, sure. I'm glad did he you did. see that fall, though? I'm, I'm joking, but did you see him, like, get dumped on his neck? No, yeah, I just I heard he was, he was hurt. And at that time, again, that was in the midst of, like, I was just like, well, another guy <laughs> gone. Sal, it looked like he fell off a like two-story building and just collapsed and fell. Yeah, I, I thought he was done. I thought he Me was too. done for the day. Speaking hey, of came back, looked good. Honestly, don't hate him against Atlanta, but I do worry that this game could could turn to the air a lot quicker than the one against the Giants. So I'm not nearly as uh, enticed by him as I was last time. Anyway, Ben, I'll turn it over to you and stop talking here. I did want to just say real quick, and I'm not trying to derail the show. Did you see the guy who got hit by the cart last night? I thought he was dead for a second on the Raiders. And it was completely fine. And then I watched the replay. I'm like, that didn't look that bad at all. But yes, I thought he was actually dead. <laughs> that was the coma. strangest turn of events. Uh, anyway. It was super not, weird. Super weird. This again, you, you mentioned it. Like, yes, David Johnson. But it's possibly, it's on the short list of worst matchups that you could have. Uh, this is just a spot I don't think you need to get that fancy with lineups because you're going to have salary in these spots, given the slate as a whole, you can pay up or again, the, the Niners are in a really good spot. They've got multiple guys injured. I'm assuming it's going to be McKinnon. I just, we'll see like who they bring up, whether it's Jeff Wilson or whatnot, but that's going to be a popular spot for good reason. Hey, hit that thumbs up. If you haven't done so yet, guys helps us out greatly here on the channel, subscribe, hit the notification bell as well. 
glad to have you every single day of the week here hanging out. It's the best place to be. Sal, what about other running backs in this range? And if you want to take a little dip down into the 4K waters with Jarek McKinnon, feel free to go there. Yeah, there's not much else in the 5K range I'm like looking at. Like Mike Davis, we don't really know what to expect here. They can re-sign Reggie Bonifon. Um, I believe they have like Trent Cannon on their, their depth chart, former Jet. So it's going to be weird. They're like terrible team total. The touchdown on the dogs. And he's he's not cheap. Like he's $5,100. If he sees like, if he sees eight receptions, that's great. But if he sees like eight touches and three or four of them are receptions, so I'm not really looking there. He's in a player pool right now, but like barely making it. Same can be said um, for guys like in the 4K range, Antonio Gibson, like again, 18 in by team total touchdown on the dogs. He at least has the passing game that we saw the first two weeks that he was running a decent amount of routes. He got the snaps last week over 60% and 13 carries. Like he looked really good. He's looked great through two weeks. So $4,700, he would be the one guy outside of McKinnon I would look to. I think McKinnon probably sees like 12 touches. I don't know how much of a workload they're going to give him. They usually like using multiple backs. So it's not the greatest of matchups against the Giants. Like their D line has actually been decent for like a year and a half now. But McKinnon and Gibson are like the only things in the 4K range I'm looking at. And I would say like my favorite play, maybe below like the $5,500 range, is probably going to be Joshua Kelly just from the work that we've been seeing from him. And he's in a positive matchup. Yeah, it's it's not the greatest spot for McKinnon, but I, I'm willing to look. I'm, I'm willing to look at the way I expect this game to move and the New York Giants are without Saquon Barkley for the rest of the year. Sterling Shepard could be sidelined in this game as well. Uh, they're, they're getting decimated by the day. So sure, you've got Ingram, you got a few guys. Look, I was very, I, I was very adamant that that San Francisco laying seven points was the play last week. And I saw a ton of people, again, I get a lot wrong. There's no doubt, but this is what I felt very good about. So a lot of people on the Jets. And maybe that's because it's the Niners were traveling west to east, but the one and, and of course the Giants were dealing with a lot of injuries, but the Jets were so banged up as well. They had no Jamison Crowder, they had no Le'Veon Bell. Granted, Brashad Perriman went out, but so did Raheem Mostert in the same game, and it was never competitive. So, point I'm getting at is even with this bevy of injuries that we've seen in San Francisco, they still have a good defense. Now, Joey or uh, Bosa being out, that is rough. Mostert on the on the, uh, that is rough. So maybe this game does stay a little bit closer. Final thoughts on this though, is I still haven't seen anything out of the New York Giants and offense and Daniel Jones yet to suggest to me that they're able to take advantage of weak spots. And I'll be fair, Chicago and Pittsburgh, two stout defenses. So maybe this is a better spot, could be. But I do think that McKinnon, even if the Giants do put up some points, McKinnon's going to be placed in an opportunity to be able to put up some good numbers. Ben, and I'll end here, the only concern I have is that if McKinnon is uber chalk, then I tend to, to, to side with Sal and saying, well, maybe we should be looking elsewhere because super chalk discount running backs oftentimes can let you down if you aren't certain of their workload. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be pop. Barring something unforeseen, he's, he's going to be really popular. Unless Mostert is a surprise active, you're missing him and Tevin Coleman. Yeah, and this is just a sp- and Jimmy G is already hurt. He might not play, so we'll we'll see. It's going to be for me that's more of a a lineup construction thing and that's why we have shows throughout the week, some of them really hitting on that. I I think it's totally fine to buy in to McKinnon. It's just when you build with him, you have to have a different mindset than if you don't in the sense of you're not you're not leveraging at all. And in some tournaments, you're going to be with a massive, massive group of people that play him. So 
uh, be prepared to build a stack that's a little against the grain around him if that's how you want to do it. Do you have any other value that you like at running back? No, I don't. Do you, so? Nope. I think that's it. All right. Um, Will says, if they bust, you aren't dead because the field has them. I'm assuming talking about uh, McKinnon. Sure. But if they do well, you're not separating yourself because the field has them. So, yeah. Yeah, and he'll probably be like 20% on if he's chalky, and that's still like 80% of the field that doesn't have him. Right. Yeah, even that's a thing that I sometimes conceptually don't get. It's like, oh my God, this guy is, he's 45% owned. So like, even if he sucks, I'm fine. No, you're not. There's 55% of people that actually don't have him still. Uh, You're in big, big trouble. And we haven't seen any chalk like that yet. Uh, I guess Boston, was Boston Scott above 40%? In smaller fields. I mean, I had like 79%, so maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I think think most people did. That was brutal. Let's move it on here, Sal. Uh, Wide receiver Hopkins coming in at the highest price. And we're specifically looking at DraftKings here. It makes the, it, it streamlines the show a little bit better, but uh, every Thursday now, Matt Kajeski and Kyle Dvorak are going to be doing a FanDuel specific strategy show around, I think it's like 12 or 1 PM, but it's in the afternoon. So be sure to check that out. Hopkins, Julio's questionable. I'm assuming he plays Calvin Ridley. Now, uh, Stefan Diggs. I don't know, Sal. I I said at the beginning of the year, well, before that, I I wrote an article on breakouts uh, and said, my anticipation is that Julio Jones, and and, and I I know this is lofty, but that Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley could combine for 300 targets. Well, Ridley's got 22 targets through two games and appears to be as good as Julio Jones, which is super scary if you're a team that has to go up against the Falcons. Yeah, and it's crazy how like how seamless his transition as like a rookie from mainly going into the slot to then going to the outside like the last 12 games of his career. He's become better, and that normally doesn't happen for players, especially when they're not like massive athlete-type players like a Julio Jones going to the outside. So he's looked fantastic. Now they're both like priced up to a spot where I'm going to have interest in both of them still, but like all the way up top, like the priority for me, if you're playing a cash game, if you're just like building a single entry, three max, whatever it is by hand, like Hopkins is still the priority. 25 targets leads the league. They have a 30 implied team total. There's touchdown favorites. He's been extremely efficient on those targets, bringing in 22 of them for over 200 yards and a touchdown. Like he, everything's looked fantastic for Hopkins and Murray just continues to look his way and they're getting off so many plays. So it's making it even easier when they're not like stalling their drives. Murray's rushing ability. There's been no stalled drives like compared to the rest of the league. They're in like the bottom 5%. So yeah, Hopkins up top is still going to remain the priority out of like all those, I'll say like 6,800 and above players. Sal, I'm here to ask the tough questions, and I'm sorry I have to do this to you. Are you still in on Christian Kirk? Yeah, I'm still in on Christian Kirk, although last week was a little bit of a, a heart wrench. I had like, I think I had like 12% Kirk, and he was in so many of those Murray stacks. Yeah, it's an issue. Like right now, Isabella got involved a little bit more. Fitz, uh, Fitzgerald is still going to be there, but I, I don't expect or at least I didn't expect to start to hear Hopkins like be on pace for a 185 target season or 180 target season. <laughs> If he's going to do that, there's no there's no room for Kirk. Like, there's no room for any of these guys. The expectation was, like, maybe 130 right around there, and then Kirk can still get his 110, 115. But if Kirk's going to be gravitating around, like, 80 targets, then, yeah, I it's it's just going to have to catch the L. But we're, we're only 12% of the way through the season. I think that's the number I just kind of said that. Um, so that's right. Yeah, so uh, I'm still in on Kirk, but last week hurt because I, I actually I went a little bit more in on him. Didn't work out. Ben, 
DeAndre Hopkins in a game where I think Detroit will actually be able to answer with some offensive firepower of their own. Kenny Galladay is expected to return, by the way, which will be very helpful, which which gives them two outside guys in Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, one of the better duos in the league. I'm expecting some points to be scored in this game, uh, which makes me like Hopkins even more. He was targeted nine times in week two, but it wasn't as necessary as you would think late in that game. They clearly took their uh, they, they clearly took their foot off the pedal. Yeah, I mean they're the Cardinals have been really impressive. I know it's only two games, but everything that Kingsbury's wanted to do, he's doing. They're playing extremely fast. They're high octane. Hopkins is fantastic. I was over on Kirk last week too. Really like the bounce back spot. It's not materializing, but I'm not going to panic just yet. These are guys when there's that many points up for grabs. Uh, certainly they can coexist now. Yeah. Isabella, I, I, you know, obviously he did get involved a little UMass guy. We got a couple of them in the league for me, but I, this is a team you can't ignore it. And right off the top Hopkins is taking over the pricing and, and he should, he's just unbelievable right now. Yep. I mean, he I don't is. know what else to say. I mean, Kyler has been great. I've been super impressed. I was not high on him at all coming into the season and, and he's been just fantastic. Someone mentioned in chat earlier, tough matchup for Stefan Diggs. Yeah, I know. And and that's kind of what makes me like him a little bit. I was actually talking to Alex Baker, uh, awesome. himself, number one ranked player out there. You know who he is. Uh, and he was saying that he honestly focuses less on individual cornerback matchups than, than most other people. Uh, and a, a lot of that is because you can move players around, uh, you know, you can you can move them around the field. You can you can get them lined up differently. Even in shadow matchups, coverage can break down, or you could fall. Anything can happen. And with speed guys like Stefan Diggs, I think you still create some separation. But if the concern is, you know, if the concern there is that Stefan Diggs is going to have too tough of a matchup and he's expensive, I get it. I certainly wouldn't be rostering him in cash. But I'm just saying, like this guy has. This guy has been fantastic through his first two games. I, I, I really love everything that I'm seeing from him. And the, we might be looking at somebody who, if we might be looking at someone who, if Josh Allen, Ben continues to, to produce like this, we might be talking about someone by week eight that is being held in the, the top tier of, of wide receivers. I, I'm not, I don't want to say alongside Tyree kill, but from a DFS standpoint, there's a lot there. Uh, he is leading the league in receiving yards this season through two games. He is fourth in receptions uh, and he is fifth in targets and Josh Allen slinging the ball everywhere. He also has the highest deep ball accuracy rate on the season. So yeah, I, I, I think that it's time even through two weeks, maybe time that we start paying a little bit of respect to, to the, this passing game for Buffalo before you miss the boat and they're all super egregiously overpriced. I mean, you don't have to sell me on that. I, I love the fit for Diggs. <laughs> I and, yeah, I mean, the, the good thing about Josh Allen, and it's it cuts both ways, but he is not someone that's going to say, okay, this is a tough matchup. Let me do the smart thing and just, you know, <laughs> let me go elsewhere. He was going to take his shots. Doesn't mean it's going to work, but Diggs is going to have opportunities all year with these deep balls. Uh, obviously, the confidence is there. I also, for what it's worth, I don't look at a ton of, of cornerback versus wide receiver, but I will say I make an exception for a couple guys in the league, uh, Tredavious White, Humphrey, Jalen Ramsey would be one. Like those, the, the top, top tier I do think matters. 
week in and week out, I don't think it's a huge factor, but there is no doubt this is a very tough matchup for Diggs, and, and that is a little concerning. Yep, it's concerning to me as well. Sujit says, isn't the concern Josh Allen might play bad more than Diggs? He played two of the worst teams in the league. Sure. I'm just throwing it out there as an example of a week where everyone's going to say, well, this guy's too cheap. I can just get to him. I can get to him. It's super easy. You might be getting him at like 2%. And if I'm getting someone at 2% that has been peppered in the passing game through the first two weeks and has a quarterback that is actually willing to throw the football at a higher clip and is finally connecting on deep attempts, which he's never done in his career, then I'm willing to entertain that because Maybe Stefan Diggs is elite, and if he's elite, we play a lot of elite guys in semi-tough matchups. What are you doing at the top, Sal? Outside, of, sorry, yeah. outside of the ones we already discussed, and that you know, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll close the door on Diggs too. Like I, I do think he's elite, and there's like just so many reports on how he's just every single day practicing with Tre'Davious White, so he's learning how to get open against the top cornerback, and he's they're putting him in the slot. Like he's playing almost like 40% of his snaps out of the slot. So it doesn't even like matter who the shadow cornerback or whoever it is on the outside when he moves into the slot. And that's just when like guys who are that good at route running, like when Allen Robinson or Devonta Adams go into the slot, like guys like Stefan Diggs do, they can just open up the field. And that's what we're seeing to an extent. But yeah, after that, like I would say there's a lot of guys up there like in the seven carry just still look good. I'll have ownership to them. None of them are priorities right now for me outside of Hopkins. Um, it's the six carry range a lot like that game for Dallas and Seattle. I assume these guys are going to be owned. We'll have to see like how owned they get. I think the stacks will still make you unique, but Amari, DK, and Lockett all at that $64, $6,500 price tag. They're all too cheap. They're all averaging. Well, right now, Amari might have the quietest, like 16 catch, 180 yard season going on like 22 targets. Like he's tops in top five, in, like every receiver category. His usage is insane. And this game is just going to be fantastic. 55 and a half total. It opens at, they're all, they all should be in like the 7K range for this type of a slate. Like if Diggs is there, um, if both of those Tampa Bay guys are there, these guys should be there. You're seeing like eight targets apiece for the Seattle guys a game so far. And yet yeah, I can only imagine more pass attempts than last week for Russell Wilson when he only threw 28 times. So that mid six K range and those guys primarily look really good. Anything in the mid range stand out for you, Ben? It, it's interesting. I mean, this is, you have the game right there in the sixes. You've got them all in a row with, with Amari Metcalf and Lockett. So if you want to go, that's the spot to pivot. I'm not saying just, Forget those guys, they're in great spots, but you have Juju, you have Odell. Um, those are guys that I, I think I'm going to have interest in just as, you know, they're right next door to the stacked game. So you you look at Juju, obviously Deontay Johnson's getting a lot of work, but there's enough volume to go around at home against Houston. You look at Odell against the football team defense. I, I think that's a fine matchup that he can excel in. I still worry about the Browns as a whole, but He's going to have some big games, 6,300 knock. I don't think he will be popular. I feel pretty comfortable with that range as a whole. The target shares for, for Seattle have been a little bit interesting, but I, I think Sal actually just mentioned that you, you would expect the, um, you, you would expect Russell Wilson to throw a little bit more here. He's just been so accurate that he hasn't really needed to nine touchdowns in one pick. He's only thrown 63 passes. Uh, it's nuts. Uh, but yeah, Metcalf is, is a beast and these guys are going to be popular. I can't wait till ownership is released either later today or, or tomorrow morning when we start to see uh, how this is breaking down and throughout the week, things will obviously change. But Ben, what about once you get into this lower, lower mid range for working down the tiers here, Julian Edelman it continues to prove that he is still one of the most unheralded guys in fantasy football. Uh, Cooper cup, 
had a big game outside of a, or not a big game, sorry, but a decent, a, a little bounce back from last time. He also fumbled the football. Uh, I, I don't, I don't see a ton here that I'm enamored with. Keenan Allen saw double digit targets last time out, but it sure looks like the chargers really want to run the football. So I'm getting off of that. And, and I will go to, I will go back to AJ green and saying this, uh, he has been targeted more times deep downfield, according to pro football focus than any receiver in the league through two games. He has 22 targets, which is tied with digs for what did I say? Fourth or fifth. He just hasn't been able to connect with Burrow, but it feels like Burrow still feels most comfortable targeting green even though the synergy doesn't seem to be there. None of those deep balls have been catchable. But if, put it this way, if the volume is there, he's averaging 11 targets per game through two. If the volume is there and they're playing from behind, I'm still willing to at least entertain the idea of rostering A.J. Green uh, at hopefully very low ownership if everyone's scared off. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to need some, not need, but uh, Mixon and him will make sense for me because I will have Wentz on teams and why not? You know, I'd like to run it back with one of their big play guys and hope that Burrow can be a little more efficient. He's going to have some volume. I worry about the efficiency and I'll just throw a quick one. You know, I think naturally what happens is you lose a guy like McCaffrey, everybody rightfully so says, okay, who's the backup running back. I think DJ Moore is going to be extremely busy. He was, he's always busy, but a lot of targets are going to come his way. They're going to be trailing. It's not a great matchup, but you know, he had 13 targets last week. I think he could push for even more in a lot of game scripts here at 6,100. Uh, I think he gets there just purely on volume. Okay, Sal, let's clear the board at, at wide receiver, get to these 5K guys, and then some value. Where are we going? Yeah, in the, in the 5K range, I mean, it, it starts off with Terry McLaurin. who just showed last week that he's just going to be dominant. Like, if he has any type of quarterback play at all, and Haskins wasn't great, but he was okay at points in that game when he had time, that he's just going to look really good. So you have so many stud receivers that are just so cheap this week. Like AJ Brown, 6K flat, if he's going to be healthy and out there, it doesn't seem like it early on, but we'll see. Uh, Terry McLaurin, $5,900 is a stud. And then I think that Deontay Johnson's the number one on that team. I know Juju's still there. I think that it's like a 1A, 1B right now. Target share-wise, it definitely is. In terms of how much he's getting open, he's, he's fitting the bill right now. And he goes up. He goes up $900, which is a pretty big jump. But he also has a great matchup. If I'm stacking Ben or if I'm playing Ben, that's a guy that I'm going to be looking at right away. Uh, both those Steelers are too cheap, but I like Deontay Johnson again at $5,400. I think he was $4,500 last week. So a pretty big jump right now. But currently on the season, I think right now he has 21 targets already through two games. So that looks good. Um, and then you have CeeDee Lamb, just a part of that game. I, I just want all the receivers in that game, I think, look good. CeeDee Lamb, Gallup, I think, still fine. He's still getting opportunities right now, Gallup, especially downfield. I think that keeps him probably like the lowest owned in that game, uh, which would mean that I'll probably get on him a little bit more, maybe even than Lamb. I know we've seen the price jump, but I could probably make an argument that he should be priced in the same range as like Robert Woods and Keenan Allen right now. Talking about Deontay Johnson. Yeah, I think we can see that next week. Like I, he was he was like four thousand dollars flat to start the year. We all knew that that was too cheap. Last week it seemed like a lot of people were on him at forty five hundred. I think it's going to continue to happen. He just keeps getting the volume, and it's a really good matchup too. Yep. Deshaun Jackson seen sixteen targets through two weeks. They haven't been able to connect on any big shots, but uh, those opportunities are there. Uh, that's something to keep in mind. Even though Carson Wentz has has really has really struggled. Uh, Brandon Cooks has a very difficult matchup. Had a nice game, though. I was happy to see that that Watson finally hooked up on the deep ball with him. Corey Davis started off strong, uh, kind of unraveled a little bit later. I don't know A.J. Brown's status, but if he's out, I probably would still look towards Corey Davis uh, in, in some spots. 
only because I, I think this Minnesota secondary is going to be one of the worst in the league this year. Any any other thoughts, Ben, talking 5K and below before we move to tight end? I mean, I'll just say it's unbelievable. You're talking about Ridley and Julio, like 300 targets. Well, Russell Gage might make it 450 for those three at this rate. Like he's got another 21 through two games. It's crazy. I don't, I don't know if Atlanta can keep up that passing volume, but that game is just fantastic. I, I don't see a ton down here, to be honest. And I don't think you really need to dip again. The, the, the product of not having an extreme stars and scrubs build is you really are going to look more balanced on both sides of it. So I don't see myself reaching for guys. Uh, you know, you, you've got guys like Mike Williams down here and Kirk and it, it just guys who really haven't been performing. I'm not sure it's really necessary to try to play a mind reader and target them. All right. Any dirt cheap options down here, Sal, before we move on? Yeah, right now I'm going to be on Nikhil Harry. Uh, very sneaky 17 targets so far. He hasn't like blown up or anything, but he's getting the target share. Um, and it's a fine matchup. I don't know if he's like cash viable at this point. You've seen 17 targets. You've seen 13 catches through a couple of games. He's just 4,200. And if there was like actual studs like McCaffrey on the slate, I think I'd be, or at least consider it more KJ Hamler, like from a cash perspective, he's $3,000 flat. There's no Sutton. He saw seven targets last week. I'm like well aware that this guy can go out and get like four or five points and that stinks, but he could also let you open up Hopkins and things like that. But it, I don't know how much it's going to be necessary this week. How much that like extra, I don't know, thousand dollar savings off of like a Nikhil Harry or $2,000 off of Deontay Johnson will matter at the running back position. So it's yet to be seen, but he's at least going to be involved at the minimum price. I'll throw Adam Humphreys out there. I, I don't like guys that, that have pretty low ceilings like he does, but he actually, you know, got in the end zone last time out. He is getting some opportunities. He's tied for the most targets on this team through two weeks. If, if AJ Brown sits, it's not the worst thing. $3,900 uh, played 55% of snaps in both games. So he's not going to be on the field as much as Davis, but there will be some opportunities there. Uh, and at that type of price, you're not going to need a huge game from him. If he, if he gives you uh, what he did last week, it could probably set you up in a decent spot. And he's second in the team in routes run at 53 through two weeks. So you could do worse than that at a very cheap price. All right, Ben tight ends. Let's go to the top here. Kittle expected to play. Before we do, though, I want to let you guys know, and it's a perfect time to do so on the strategy show, that uh, we decided that the express package we have, the $3.95 a week express package, was a little bit light. So for the rest of the season, we're including all showdown projections for NFL, all showdown ownership, all showdown rankings. So all of our showdown content for NFL, that's all premium behind paywall, now it's all going to be included. In the, uh, in the NFL, or it's not in the NFL, in the express package. So not just the NFL, so everything we have for showdown for NFL, it's in there for $3.95 a week. That alone is, is worth the value. It's the cost of a you know semi-expensive cup of coffee and an egg McMuffin, a hash brown are going to cost you more at McDonald's. They're delicious, but this is a better deal. So $3.95 a week, the express package, it is including all of our showdown content. It's the best way to do this right now if you're looking to save some money, if you're on a budget. And if you're not, check out our, our Awesome O Plus, the all-access weekly, monthly, annual. If you want to go there, we've got every single sport. If there's contests for it across the industry, from football, baseball, basketball, hockey, PGA, NASCAR, MMA, everything, esports even, we've got projections, we've got ownership We've got the best projections and ownership out there because, well, the number one ranked DFS player in the world created them and uses them 
and allows us and you to use them as well. Just go to our Hall of Fame page at awesomemode.com and you'll see how many winners we've got by using these, by using the Fantasy Cruncher add-on and all of that fantastic stuff. It's out there. It's yours. Awesome Plus subscriptions at awesomemode.com slash join. Be sure to hit us up in the Awesome Slack chat as well, premium Slack chat. Great community there, talking sports, DFS, betting all day long. So go to awesomemode.com slash join. And again, like I said, if you're on a budget, Seriously, consider that $3.95 a week. It's $3.95 a week, and you get all the showdown stuff included on top of what's already in the subscription. All right. Uh, I don't know who I was going to here. I guess I'll go to you, Sal. George Kittle's expected back. Tyler Higby's all coming off of a three-touchdown performance against the Eagles. Uh, those two guys are the most expensive. And then up above 5500 you also have Darren Waller, who I firmly believe is – one of the preeminent tight ends in the league, still not getting that respect, but maybe last night is going to cement him as one of the best tight ends out there. I love what I'm seeing from him. Did you see how, did you see where he lined up and did you see where he was? He had linebackers on him, corners on him. He was lining up in the slot outside. He was lined up tight. He does everything. Yeah, it was a bowling ball. It really makes you wonder like how involved he could have been like earlier on in his career with Baltimore stuff, but I guess it all just comes together. Like, he looks fantastic. I those would say pesky, those pesky, uh, pesky heroin and crack, right? Yeah, like some. I'm joking. Stuff, I don't know. But, yeah, like, but he was in yeah, rehab. Not, I, I think he was in yeah, rehab he was, for drugs, right? He was in yeah. rehab. So like the turnaround for this guy is like absolutely insane right now. Yeah, he's an it's absolute awesome. monster. And yeah, is it like, not the coolest success story? Like, are you not just happy for this guy? I love yeah, him. it's it's great. And like, there is some thoughts that like all the people that they're bringing in might take away from him, but it's pretty obvious now. Like he is the focal point and like a huge game. Like that's a big game for them against a really good team. They end up winning as underdogs and he's by far like 16 targets. Was it 12 receptions, just a monster bowling ball. And yeah, he comes into this week and a fine matchup against New England. You touched on all the guys that they ended up losing in really their linebacker core, especially some cover guys at the linebacker spot for tight ends. So $5,700. Yeah. He would probably be like 6,500. He'd be like up there with Kittle. I mean, Kittle's underpriced too, but they both be up there as like top guys. If this slate came out like a day later. So I like Waller. If Kittle's going to be healthy, like if he's going to be a sure go, won't be limited. $6,300 is fine. Like normally you're seeing those top tight ends be like 7k flat. So yeah, I, I think that's the range I'm going to go to. And it's tough to like no font, John Smith, all those guys are right around somewhat next to Waller. It's tough to want to go there unless you're stacking or getting away from it from an ownership perspective um, from what we just saw from Waller and just what he's done now in like his last 18 games in the NFL, he's just consistently seeing like seven targets as a tight end. Yeah. He's, he's spectacular. Now the matchup is, is definitely different. Well, I don't know. Is it a difficult matchup now, Ben? I mean, I'm always personnel wise, obviously all these guys opting out would be a lot harder if New England was at full strength, but at the same time, I still hesitate when you just Belichick is so good at that. We know that's his thing. Like he's, he's not going to let this guy just tear them apart. They will be ready for Waller. They will. Um, now he's a great player, so I don't mind it, but at the same time, it's a bunched range. There's what is that? Eight, seven, eight guys in that 5k range at tight end. So you yeah. have a lot of different options around him this week. <laughs> I, you know, Sal has talked about Christian Kirk being his guy. Evan Ingram is mine. I, I'm not giving up yet. He had eight targets last week. Saquon goes down. I do think he's going to be evolved for a bad team and a bad matchup. Evan Ingram, though, is someone that I'm going to continue to buy at super low ownership. I really think he has a ceiling uh, and he's going to tap into it one of these weeks. Okay. The one guy I keep coming back to, and I, and I wish I wasn't, but Dallas Goddard. 
okay. is he might be the best tight end on this team right now. Uh, and, and I say that seriously. There's there's really a lot to like. Um, and he's also seen opportunities downfield. Like Wentz missed him on a bunch last week. He hit him on a deep one in week one. There's There's going to be opportunities, I think, for Dallas Goddard to start seeing some really big games, right? And if my assumption is that he'll continue to be very low owned, 4,900, I don't mind that. Uh, he's definitely not my favorite, but as you mentioned, Ben, you, you, uh, Ingram is the guy that you're continuously going to run out there. Yep. Uh, Dallas Goddard is somebody that, that I anticipate continuing to play because uh, I believe he's going to be used uh, essentially as a receiver, and he should be all right in that. Um, he's, he's run the second most routes on the team as well, which is, which is really encouraging. And you know, yes, Ertz is going to be on the field a lot, but they're going to run 12 personnel very, very frequently. Uh, and last week, Dallas Goddard played 89% of snaps. Ertz played 94. Week one, 79 for Goddard, 85 for Ertz. Uh, he's going to be out there a lot, and he's a super high upside uh, tight end right now, even with Ertz on the field. Um, Sal, how about the 4K range? Usually we can find something decent here. And I did want to throw out, I think Janu Smith is a little bit expensive, but this is once again a matchup that I, I, I don't anticipate Tannehill struggling much here. It's tough though, because he was very efficient with only five targets last game, two touchdowns. I probably don't get there at that price. If he was 4,200, I'd be, I'd be looking at this a lot differently, but how are you approaching the 4K range? Yeah, so for the 4K range, I think mainly I'll be looking at Hunter Henry and Hayden Hurst. Um, Hurst, his role has just been great. I mean, he's playing as a slot wide receiver primarily for them. 55% of the snaps that he's playing, majority right now, he's in the slot. He's really not blocking at all right now, which he is fine. He could also do that, but they're not needing it. Um, so I, I do like Hayden Hurst a good amount. You saw the volume. He's continuing to be targeted downfield more than I still think it's any other tight end. I don't know if Waller passed him last night. A lot of Wallers were at the line of scrimmage or like five yards off, so maybe not, but Hurst looks good. Hunter Henry had the volume from both Tyrod Taylor and Herbert. So we'll see what happens there at $4,800, 16 targets in two weeks. That's very good usage for a 4k tight end. Um, and he's hauling them in. He has about uh, 10 yards per target right now. So that's good to see. And that's about, that's about it. Like if Kittle wasn't able to go, then like Jordan Reed is, is way too cheap at 4k. He played as like primarily a slot receiver and got all the red zone usage. So um, I don't really know what to make of Dalton Schultz. I guess I could like throw that back to you guys. I, he had a huge game. I don't really know how much of that is, is him compared to them throwing for like 450 yards, but uh, he's in a player pool for me right now. I really don't know what to make of it. This game just looks too good to like fully get away from him. Yeah, Ben, go ahead on, on Dalton Schultz. Cause it's, that's kind of a tough one to wrap your head around. It, it is tricky. I think mostly for me, I, I kind of chalked it up to if there was something the time to buy was last week and now the price is adjusted and you're, yeah. I don't want to say it's just purely chasing cause it's a fantastic environment, but you're just hoping he, replicates what he just did that's a tough task I mean that's that's going to be very difficult so probably not for me um I don't know there's not a lot down here obviously the guy that I think we have to talk about is Herndon who was super popular last week and you know again I ripped on the Broncos coaches in week one so I guess I'll pick one coach a week obviously Adam Gase I don't understand how this guy isn't targeted with the amount of injuries that they have, they don't have skill position players to begin with, but then they lose Perryman. Chris Hogan is hurt. Mims is hurt. Uh, Crowder didn't even play. And this guy gets four targets. I, I don't, I don't understand. I, I really just don't understand how he's not involved. 
I've seen both. You're right. My biggest issue is I just don't know if I, I, this is my concern with Logan Thomas and Herndon last week. Even if they are involved, how often are they getting opportunities in the red zone? First of all, how anemic is this offense that I, I guess with Herndon, he's cheap enough. Like his price hasn't come up. So that's good. And when he's healthy, he's, he actually is pretty talented. I just, I, I have that. I have some reservations about the fact that this offense is just so pitiful that they're lucky to score seven points in a week. Like even against Indy, man, I don't know. It's tough. I'll just say real quick and obviously pass back. At least Logan Thomas had nine targets. Like if Herndon would have had nine targets last week and it's just so inefficient and they can't score, I'd live with it, but he didn't even get the opportunity and that makes no sense. It doesn't. Sal, close us out at tight end. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll say that I have interest in Logan Thomas still. It was gross. Like, Haskins, I don't think, is the answer there. Like, McLaurin can get over it, and he can win jump balls and just get separation. Thomas has been good. Like, I didn't even know Thomas was a former quarterback, apparently. He came into the league as a quarterback, but he looks um, he looks fine. Like, nine targets last week, 17 on the year. If you're going to get that much volume this cheap and your bigger body player around the red zone, we saw it in week one, the touchdown, so – I'll have interest. And then I'm not going to play him because he's so close in price to like all these other cheat tight ends. You could throw Molly Cox into it. But Drew Sample, um, Cincinnati, he took over for, well, he was getting usage week one. Then he got all the usage week two for the Bengals. They obviously threw so many times, 60 plus, but it was almost now done for the year. Uh, Sample's seen nine targets so far, ran pretty much, he's ran 40 plus routes now in the year and was out there a ton in the last game. It's definitely inflated. Uh, maybe something to watch like as the weeks go on. Probably can't get there this week since there's other viable cheap guys. Yeah, it's not the craziest idea. Tight end just scored three touchdowns against the Eagles in one game. Uh, and Drew Sample, once Usoma went down, actually was very involved. You just mentioned it, Sal. I, I was a little bit surprised that they got him that involved. But at the same time, when when your quarterback is throwing it, and this kind of speaks to what Ben was saying about, uh, about Schultz, or maybe it was you, it's hard to know what the pass volume, 61, 61 pass attempts for Burrow last game. You'd think nine targets would be a – pretty considerable market share but it was only what 15 percent which fine a tight end at that price isn't terrible but uh you might see things balance out if this game stays a little closer all right let's close it out ben let's go with a little defenses we're not going to go from top to bottom uh but what we usually do is have a little fun here with one of our defensive punts i'll say below we'll go below twenty seven hundred dollars Okay, below $2,700. That gives us one, two, three. What is that? Eight defenses. Uh, I'm going to go. You want to go with nine. If you want to go with 27 and under, you can go with your Giants. If you want the Giants defense. I really don't want to do that. Okay. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Carolina. I think, and this is contingent on a Herbert playing, and, I, and we know that I'm a Justin Herbert guy, but anytime you, you get a guy like that, you saw flashes of greatness. You also saw him throw a couple where it was just like, what is this guy doing? Anytime there's a couple of those up for grabs when you're 2,200, I will take that. The Panthers defense is terrible. So if Tyrod plays, no interest. If Herbert plays, I think as a pure punt, you could go there. Okay, beautiful. Sal, uh, had a couple of people screaming about Mo Ali Cox, and, and did we did we forget to mention him? 
I, I kind of like gave him an honorable mention just by saying his name. Like he's, he's, uh, I, I think that's literally all I did. Um, yeah. $3,800. He ran, he only ran 16 routes last week, but he was being targeted downfield Had the five catches over hundred yards, over 110 yards. Um, he's, he's a yard after the catch monster. He had like 40 something last week. So he looks okay. It's just like, he wasn't that involved. They also didn't throw a ton, but I don't think you're going to see like 20 plus routes run out of him. Like, I think you have the opportunity to see out of like pretty much all the 4k guys. Like I think you continue to see out of Logan Thomas. So yeah, if he's going to start again, especially in the red zone, he's definitely in play. Like right now he's at a player pool for me, but I think I would still prefer um, all the 4k guys and probably even Logan Thomas right now. So would I. And I think this ends up being a game where Jonathan Taylor gets 30 carries and isn't even particularly effective or, or sorry, efficient with them, but they don't care. And they just keep running him out there because keeping the ball out of Phillip Rivers hands seems to be a wise move at this stage of the game. All right, Sal, defensive special teams or defense special teams, 27 or below. Yeah, I'll take the Cowboys. Um, not e- like it doesn't even have to be Russell Wilson making a mistake. Just there's going to be so many points and I'm going to assume so many plays. I'll just hope that one fumble bounces the right way. They get enough pressure. They're getting decent pressure so far. So 2,600, just hope there's a lot of plays and one of them's a mistake. I guess I have to go with the Giants. Um <clears throat> If Garoppolo's out, if Raheem Mostert and Coleman are out, who knows what's going to happen with Kittle. It could get ugly there. They still have some good players in the secondary that just haven't really shined yet. But Bradbury is someone that I think can jump in there and and create some havoc. I don't love it, but we're talking cheap options for a reason. And San Francisco is pretty gutted offensively. So we'll go with that. And hey, by the way, for those of you guys just tuning in, uh, we have a podcast network. If you haven't checked it out yet, it is uh, it is pretty cool. And all of our shows go straight to podcasts. So if you don't want to feel like watching them, you don't have to watch them. You can go straight to the podcast, which is very helpful for sure. Sal, they can find you at? Uh, Sal Vetri DFS on the Twitter machine. All right. Ben at Jazz Raz DFS. Myself, Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. Hey, Jordan Klein, thanks for producing, fella. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Matt Kajeski, Kyle Dvorak, myself, Dave Lochran on the NFL Strategy Show. Have a good one, fellas.